and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Karen Harrington, whose first novel for children was 2013's Sure Signs of Crazy. In August, Harrington's second middle grade novel, Courage for Beginners, will be published by Little Brown Books for Young Readers, which is sponsoring this podcast. Encouraged for beginners, 12-year-old Misty Murphy is struggling with some difficult and upsetting problems. Her mother's agoraphobia is making life hard for the whole family, and at school, her best friend, a boy named Anibal, thinks that their friendship is hampering his efforts to pursue a cheerleader in their grade. As the novel unfolds, Misty relies on her inner strength and her sense of humor to make new friends and take care of her family. Karen, thank you for speaking with me. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Well, let's start by talking a bit about how this uh, new book took shape. Uh, I understand you have uh, some, a personal connection to the agoraphobia plot thread in the story. I do. This story is actually an interesting intersection of past and present for me. Um, my own mother was agoraphobic, and I always wanted to write some aspect of that um, because I never quite understood that. And so as I began writing for children, I thought it would be really interesting to write it from the perspective of a young person who's grown up with that. I grew up with that and I didn't think anything was unusual about my mother not leaving home uh, until I started hanging out with friends, until I started getting to be about Misty's age in middle school. So that was sort of the first uh, genesis of the story. And did you um, find there were some really important emotions or details about that sort of realization on on your own part that you wanted to sort of convey through Misty about living with an agoraphobic uh, family member? Yes, absolutely. Because now that I'm a parent, I'm kind of, that's sort of the present part of the story. I really start started looking at that intersection of a young person's life where they're questioning their own beliefs. Um, they've believed what their parents have told them their whole life, and now they're starting to think, do I believe that because I believe that, or do I believe that because my parents believe that? And that's sort of what it's like to grow up to be a child of an agoraphobic, is that you are um, mixed in those fears, and then you begin to kind of branch out a little bit and discover, am I, you know, am I going to be afraid of this simply because my parent was? And in Misty's case, uh, she pushes against that quite a bit and um, realizes that we really only are born with two fears and fearing your neighborhood isn't, isn't such a big, scary place as she's been led to believe. And did you find it difficult at all to sort of think back and get back to some of your own memories of the time? Or was this something more of a, a challenge you wanted to embrace because this was, like you said, a, a story you kind of wanted to tell? You know, I really did. I really did. I wanted to um, uh, find some of my own answers to this, and I think that's what a lot of writers do, is they write something to sort of figure it out for themselves. My mother has since passed, so I'm not able to ask her a lot of questions, but when I began talking with my siblings and and sort of just doing some of my own self-research, I... um, remembered how my mother was such a prolific painter and Misty's mother is also a prolific painter. There's paintings all over her house and new canvases appear every day. And that's something I drew from my own experience. And I sort of think I came to the uh, conclusion that um, a lot of agoraphobics will paint and they'll bring an art to the inside, um, bring the outside world into the inside because they can't go and experience that. And some of the research that I started doing about agoraphobics actually proved that to be 
true. So yeah, I did get some answers along the way, but I also discovered a really unique connection with my own children and um, the idea of fears and overcoming fears because I'm now seeing them, you know, we tell our children a lot about stranger danger and who to be afraid of and what they're experiencing more than that nefarious mystery stranger danger that could occur out somewhere on the street is that friends friendship can be very dangerous also so that began to play a whole role that kind of intersection of what i'm observing now in real life middle school Mm-hmm. Well, you know, at one point in the book, Misty talks about the, the sort of big flat-footed monster called change uh, mm-hmm. coming her family way. And I feel like seventh grade is just such a time of upheaval. Do you, do you have a lot of strong memories of that period and the way that, for instance, a, you know, these budding romances and crushes are starting to have a real impact and kind of wreak havoc on long-time friendships? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? And it's still true to this day. You know, I um, part of my research was to actually go to a middle school, and I was going to I was scheduled to have lunch with the daughter of a good friend of mine, and she totally forgot to meet me there. But I stood there in the cafeteria alone with my sad little sack lunch while students were passing by and teachers were looking at me and it all comes rushing back that we still have that need to find the right place to sit in a cafeteria situation. So it's still alive and well. And that proved to be very good research because even though she forgot to meet me, I realized yep, we all still feel that way. And, um, and so in that reason, I have a lot of compassion for middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. And I think especially those opposite gender friendships like Misty and Annabelle have are maybe even especially hard to maintain at that time in a kid's life when suddenly, I don't know, there's this extra added layer of, you know, why are you friends with a girl or a boy or, you know, can, can that even work? Absolutely. Absolutely. Where, you know, in middle school or in uh, elementary school, that's, you know, nobody thinks of any of that. They all just go out there and they play four square, right? And then they become suddenly aware of, of their differences. So... Mm-hmm. It's a fraught. It's a fraught time. Yes, <laughs> um, yes, it is. Now, both this book and Sure Signs of Crazy have you know, some very dark and painful moments in them. Uh, in the first book, there's uh, the drowning death of Sarah's twin brother at the hands of their mother, and uh, you know, there's a scene early in this book when Misty's father takes a really awful fall, which is a really upsetting, terrible moment. And when you're writing, and as you put your work together are you actively sort of working or thinking about the balance between the, the hard times that life can can deal a kid um you know very realistically with elements of hope and humor that sort of counterbalance it I am. I'm glad that you said that because a lot of times, you know, you read um, uh, comments about various stories that are out there where they're talking about children, um, a character in a story that seems wise beyond her years or his years. And in my experience, um, now that I'm a parent and I'm around a lot more children, you know, I'm seeing so many young children that are having to take on adult issues ahead of their time. And they're having to step in for the parents and at the same time still go through and navigate middle school and all of the challenges and and great adventures that that presents. So I am thinking of that. I am thinking of those children that I've met that have had to be, they've had to grow up before their time. And I have a lot of compassion for them because I think there's a, a lot of them out there whose story needs to be told. One of the, the neat elements in this uh, story is the way that Misty will kind of step back at certain times and view her own life uh, as that of a character in a novel, which, mm-hmm. of course, she actually is, unbeknownst to <laughs> her, I guess. But um, is that in any way connected to your, your own ambitions to becoming a writer, the way that you thought about writing when you were uh, maybe Misty's age? Absolutely. I, I don't know if that's just... Um 
points out the great nerd in me, but I used to, <laughs> I, and I hope I'm not alone in this, but I used, I did, I used to narrate, you know, give myself those little pep talks about, you know, and be, take yourself out and become a third person character in there. And, you know, here is a person who is walking down the street and doing this and so. So, yeah, I think that's, that's, um, something definitely that I used to do that helps you kind of distance yourself from the situation so you can kind of take the drama out of it at the moment. Absolutely. It definitely so. feels like a, you know, an effective coping mechanism when you've got some really yeah. big stuff going on. Like when she, when she realizes on the first day of school that she's only shaved one leg, I mean, that's <laughs> the horror. Yes. That is a very good time to sort of disassociate oneself. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the, uh, your own sort of path to becoming a writer, um, it sounds like you, this is something that has been, uh, kind of almost a lifelong ambition. Do you, do you remember when you first began to know, uh, that this is something you wanted to do? You know, it was when I was in sixth grade that my sixth grade English teacher was an author himself. And that was so revelatory for me that I, I was sitting, standing right next to an actual author. And, um, you know, when you're in sixth grade, you think, oh, okay, well, if you can do it, then I can do it too. So, uh, and of course, decades later, I realized that was the folly of that thought. But that was the first time I was so um, impressed with him and impressed with uh, his passion for books and his passion for writing. And I think that was the first seed. That's when I really started developing a real love for reading first. Yeah, I'm sure it seems like just in the same way that a, a fictional character may not seem quite real. I think, you know, an author you know, to a child looking at a book uh, can just be a name and you don't always realize, oh, yes, there are the real, the real people behind these stories and, right, and I could become one. Right. And especially back then when there was no internet and so authors seemed even more you know, mystical and like, where did they go and, and create their stories? And here was my teacher, Mr. Whistler, eating tuna fish sandwiches. And so, wow, that's, I can do that too. <laughs> the writer's life. Yes. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and you also then started writing um, some stories then uh, from that point on a little bit? I did. I did. I, I started writing and journaling and then um, making my way through school, still continued to write. And then um, in my professional career, I was a professional speechwriter for many, many years before I tried my hand at fiction. So I've always been writing in some capacity. And uh, now your first, uh, I guess, officially published book was uh, your adult novel, uh, Janeology. Is that right? Yes. Yes. That was in 2008. That was my first novel that was actually published. Okay. What was the path to then, because you revisited that family story and, and sure signs of crazy from this sort of child's perspective. How, how did that come to be, I guess? I'm glad you asked that question because I like to tell people this. It was because of a stranger. It was because of a reader who wrote to me, a reader who had read Janeology, and she wrote to me asking I wonder what became of Sarah. I wonder what it would be like to grow up um, with that kind of past and that kind of baggage. And that really gnawed at me. I was like, well, that's a really good idea. Maybe I'll try that. So I'm really, I always tell people, please write, write to authors. You never know uh, what's going to become of that. So I'm really grateful for that because that was one of those questions that for me, when I get a question and I can't shake loose of it, I know I need to write about it. And that was one of those questions that kept me up at night. And I thought, well, that's already a fraught time period in a young person's life. I 
wonder how Sarah did fare. And so that, that yeah, that was the genesis of um, revisiting that family and looking at that story from Sarah's point of view. And can you talk a bit about how that first book then found its way to Little Brown? First book, meaning Sure Signs of Crazy. Uh, did you already have an agent yeah. at that point? And... I didn't. I wrote that story, and then I began the agent search, which I had begun years before without success. Um, but fortunately, I, I was very successful, and I um, signed with a lovely agent, Julia Kenny, and then it found its way to Little Brown, to my great delight. <laughs> now, on your website, you, you mentioned uh, your love of the, the book Little Women. Uh, I was curious, what were some of the other influential books in your life growing up? Well, To Kill a Mockingbird, for certain. Yeah, absolutely, Little Women. Um, and then I got kind of hooked on the Hemingway, the Nick Adams stories, you know, the, his series of short stories of uh, adventure. Um, so those were some of the earliest favorites that I had. And now you uh, you mentioned, you know, the sort of social media and internet a bit earlier in terms of authors connecting with uh, readers. Uh, it seems like you're quite active there with blogging and Twitter and kind of interacting with the children's book community. Uh, does, does that social side of, the, of being an author uh, come naturally to you? Well, no, it actually doesn't. It actually doesn't. It's actually, um, I, because I know my, this is where um, life imitates art and vice versa, because my mother was a fearful person. I, um, my first inclination is to stay away from things like that. But um, I do, I push myself to, to get over that and to reach out. Um, writers are naturally solitary people, but at the same time, you want to be able to talk to people about your work. So, um, I'm learning how to do that better. So, did, did that aspect of uh, a writer's life kind of come as a surprise to you, especially since you've been kind of dreaming of uh, you know that that path for a while? Yes and no. It's it's that weird dichotomy, and I hope I'm not the only one. But I, I used to pretend that I was being interviewed on Merv Griffin, you know, with my hairbrush years ago. Um, but then I would never really want to do that. I would never really want to do that in real life. So it has been kind of surprising. It's surprising when people want to know about your life because you just assume your life is very boring and uneventful. So mm-hmm. now, uh, Courage for Beginners uh, isn't out yet. Uh, but with these first two books. What's your experience uh, been of interacting with uh, younger readers, uh, either online or digitally, that sort of thing? That has been very positive, and that's where I, I think it's a it's a very happy accident that I am now writing for children because I really love that, and I really think I'm in a great position to be able to encourage other young writers, which I love to do. Um, I've got an opportunity to Skype with many classrooms across the United States in this last year and hear from young readers who tell me that um, they're either encouraged by um, or relate to uh, the characters in Church Signs of Crazy so far. So that's been extremely rewarding. And have you been getting some sort of early feedback uh, uh, on this new book, you know, from people who are getting maybe advanced copies or, you know, checking out e-galleys, that sort of thing? Yes, yes, I have. Um, My favorite so far is a writer friend of mine who wrote to me and he said, I think this is your love letter to Texas. (laughs) So that's my favorite so far. I was like, well, wow, I'm very happy with that. But yes, and other people who are telling me that uh, Courage for Beginners is a, a great book to lift a young person's self-esteem, and that, oh, that, that makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned Texas. Uh, you, you live in Dallas. Is there a, mm-hmm. a strong sort of writing community there that you're you're, you're part of? That... No, not okay. that, not, <laughs> not that I'm connected to as yet. Mm-hmm. Still pretty solo. It's me and my dog. Okay. And have, <laughs> have you been able to find through sort of Twitter and things like that, though, other authors, you know, maybe more geographically distant that you sort of can connect with and you know share with, or do you do you really kind of stick to 
the sort of solitary writer's life <laughs> you described? I, I have, um, in, in the past months, I have met other writers and other middle grade writers who are in Texas. So that, yeah, we're starting to find each other. Okay. Um, now, earlier in the spring, uh, you announced your, your next book. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what that's going to be? Yes, I'm very, very excited about that, working on that right now. Um, it's a book called Mayday, and it features one of the characters from Courage for Beginners, who I developed a real fondness for, surprisingly, who really surprised me at the end of the story. And his name is Wayne Kovac, and he is a seventh grader who has just survived a plane crash. And he's struggling with survivor's guilt, among other things things and what it means to be brave. He comes from a very military family and this story is going to be one not only about bravery, but what it means to inherit a family name that has a lot of history behind it. Hmm. And do you feel at this point pretty at home uh, writing in the middle grade world? Yes, I really do. Like I said earlier, it's it's a very happy accident, but now that I'm here, I'm just like, this does, this feels very much at home. Hmm. Maybe well, it's my inner sixth grader that's still there. It's not, not letting go. <laughs> would, you, would you consider writing for older uh, readers again, or even a younger audience, possibly? Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. I would still love to do that, and I'm, I'm still working on other side projects, so yes. Excellent. Well, congratulations again on the new book, and uh, thank, thank you. you for speaking with me. Thanks so much. Once again, I've been speaking with Karen Harrington, whose new novel is Courage for Beginners, out in August from Little Brown. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. Cast.